This is The Guardian. Hey, Laura Mafiotz here, coming to you from Gadigal Land, and this is the Full Story Summer Series. Going to the beach is a pretty quintessential summer experience for a lot of us. I grew up in a small beach town, and I spent nearly every single day at the beach. But when I was eight or nine, I got dumped by a big wave and held under the water. When I came up for air, I got hit by another wave and was held under again. That experience of not being able to breathe and not being sure when it would end led to a phobia of the sea. For years, I would only dip my feet in shallow water. But when I started surfing as a teenager, that helped me get over that fear. The feeling of gliding across a wave. I think it's like flying, or at least the closest that a human can get. For so many people in this country, the beach is a place where life happens, where they get over their fears or form new ones, or, like me, have their first kiss. Today, we have five stories on five beaches about love, longing, fear and freedom at the beach. That's in a minute. Sixteen-year-olds are idiots, but we're romantic. Jenna was my high school girlfriend for two years and it's the sort of relationship where everything is for the first time. So to us, the whole world looked like a bed. We thought we were in a romantic movie and in romantic movies you have sex on the beach. We elaborately planned out what the night was going to involve. We picked the time of the night that was going to be the most convenient before anybody arrived at the beach for like the midnight celebrations. We discussed which particular cove at which particular beach was likely to be most shielded from the prevailing winds at the time. The details were incredibly important because you're building an idea of yourself. What's really clear is what happened once we got there. Nothing is as you would hope. It's sandy, it's cold, and sand gets everywhere. In J-Lo music videos, beaches are really sexy. You've got this light dusting of sand across like curved thighs and sweetly bronzed skin. In reality, it gets all over your clothes, gets up into parts that you don't want it to get into. And when, uh, uh, when pressure with the motions of like writhing teenagers, it quickly turns to concrete. Expectation never matches up to the reality. You think that if you make these grand gestures that they'll live up to the dreams you have in your head. Unfortunately, they didn't, and neither did the relationship. So both of them kind of ended uh, in tragedy. Sex on the Beach is bad. It's very literally abrasive. It never lives up to expectations. But skinny dipping is not that at all. It's innocent. It's about feeling free. It's about just you and the ocean. 
It was the hottest night of the year. I'd been out on Oxford Street celebrating a new job and had just met up with my partner. There was this really hot wind blowing and we were faced with going home to our unair conditioned flat and baking to death when I had a brainwave. The beach was a 10-minute cab ride away. We could go skinny dipping. reason I thought I was the only person who would think about hitting up Redleaf Beach on a very hot night and we get there and it turns out I am so wrong. There are I think probably hundreds of people there. They're in the water, they're on the sand, they're on the grass. It felt more like a nightclub. Lots of competing boomboxes on one corner. You can hear like minimalist funk and house. In another area, someone's blasting like 80s disco hits. So we head down to the beach and I figure, whatever, it's dark. I peel off my party dress and put it to one side and stride straight into the water and it is bliss. Finally, some reprieve from the heat. I actually felt almost like a baby in the womb. There are little shrimp at Redleaf that make a kind of crackling sound when you submerge your ears in the water and I can hear the little popping of the shrimp as the clouds drift above me. I swim over to one of the pontoons and I pull myself up onto the pontoon only to hear, hey Alex, it's a hairdresser I know. Then I turn around and see a close friend of mine. He's also on the pontoon. Unlike me, they're both wearing swimsuits. I think maybe there were a couple of eyes drifting down occasionally, but you know, it was dark. So we all had plausible deniability. So I swim back to shore and before I can grab my clothes and get dressed again, I run into probably five other people I know in all some way connected to my work. So I'd gone to the beach to celebrate, to feel free and to escape the heat, to have kind of this moment of departure from the world. And instead I ended up living my nightmare. Next, stories about the beach that make us wonder if we belong there. Hey, Laura Mafiotes here. If you like keeping up to speed with the day's news, you should subscribe to our free newsletters. They're short and curated, so you don't miss a beat. And there's two of them, Morning Mail and Afternoon Update. Visit our website where you'll be able to subscribe to both newsletters directly from our homepage. Okay, back to the podcast. When I was growing up, the beach was this kind of mysterious force. We came from Fiji to Australia when I was three years old, and it was always this kind of fascinating place, but it also held a bit of danger. 
I grew up Muslim. So a lot of the ways that other people would enjoy the beach, like wearing cool swimsuits and splashing in the waves, was just really different for us because we had to dress modestly. We'd be standing around in our board shorts and baggy t-shirts and we just stood out so much compared to all of these Australians wearing their bikinis and bathers and enjoying the sun. As a teenager, it just made me feel so self-conscious. I met my partner when I was about 21, 22, and it was obvious to me from the moment that Chris and I started dating that the beach was a big part of his family's culture. And so I realized that I was really quickly going to have to either get comfortable with it or figure out a string of decent excuses for not going in the water. The first year that I was going to join his family at the beach, I went online, found a pair of swimmers that I thought were kind of the right in-between of modest and fashionable. And then I gave myself several pep talks in the mirror about how it was okay to wear these swimmers and no one would be looking at me and just be brave and get in the ocean. But then once we actually got to the beach, I realised that because I'd spent so long not going in the water, I was missing this kind of fundamental knowledge of how to deal with waves. So I was standing on this beautiful beach on the south coast and these beautiful waves were coming in and I was just getting knocked off my feet. And then Chris kind of realised that the reason why I was getting smashed in the face by water and really not enjoying myself was because I genuinely didn't know how to duck or dive through a wave. And so he spent some time kind of teaching me and suddenly I realised that ducking under a wave and having the water wash over me and rising back up and having the sun on me was this beautiful feeling and suddenly, like, you couldn't get me out of the water. I don't think I'll ever be the kind of person who can swim out past the breakers or be submerged to the point where I can't feel my feet on the bottom of the ocean, but I've definitely reached a point where... I look forward to being submerged in the ocean and that really quintessential feeling of the Australian beach. I was 14 years old when the Cronulla riots happened and it was the summer, you know, summer at 14 is when you should be having the most fun you've had in your life. But it was one largely shaped by uh, fear and hatred. The beach had become a place that was a reminder of how hated I felt as a Lebanese person in Sydney. As a teenager, we definitely felt there were hard borders around Sydney and there were hard borders around us and that if we stepped beyond them, we would face violence. We would have to cross a particular border, whether mental or physical, to go to the beaches. There were no beaches in Western Sydney. But around that time, I met some friends who were lifesavers, and they were really intent that, as a group of young Lebanese men, we should go to the beach. And so going to the beach became a political act, that we were defying what we felt was being told to us, that we don't belong at the beach, we shouldn't be at the beach, that there'll be violent repercussions for going to the beach. We would kind of strut along the coast and we would kind of puff out our chests and almost demand someone to tell us to leave. It wasn't necessarily that we'd gone to enjoy the beach, but much more to be seen at the beach as Lebanese men, you know, to be part of this scene, to force our way into that space. 
we would try and go to the beaches where we felt the least accepted. So places like Tamarama in eastern Sydney, which is a, a very nice beach, or Bronte or beaches along the beach such as Coogee. But what happened in that process, certainly I, and I'm sure my friends can say the same, started to enjoy the experience of going to the beach. Once we had done our little show, we would go into the water. We would go out past the breaks and just kind of sit in the water. If you let the water consume you, you're kind of letting things go which is a radical act in many ways, particularly for a young Arab man who was like very angry at everything. The idea of like letting go of all of that, it was presented to me under the water. Once you get past the cold, you feel the kind of peace underneath. Underwater, there is no noise. The water then becomes your entire reality. Under the surface, there's nothing. The politics of existence melted away What started as a political act became an act of healing, really. We felt the water kind of bring us a sense of peace. Time has decayed the old meanings behind the borders and that there's now a sense that they're not porous, but certainly malleable. And I think more and more people are feeling more comfortable to go beyond their borders. I don't think I have ever felt like I belong at the beach, but I definitely feel much more at peace with what the beach is. The beach is such an important part of the Australian imagination. It's the stories that we've told ourselves in nation building, in culture building. The idea that when you go to the beach, it's this carefree place where you can explore and have adventure and connect with nature in a very uniquely Australian way. It means that for many of us, when we think about our childhoods, it often comes back to that one time you went up the coast with your family. All right, who's ready? Sand on your feet and in your swimmers and all of these kind of things that really, you know, we can call them cliches, but they're a part of our culture, a part of our collective imagination and memory. Hey, guys, where are we going? Me! It's so squishy oh. here in the back. Hey, look at those cyclists. Oh. So for my youngest child, her first summer was characterised by extreme heat. Her second summer was the hottest January on record. And then her third summer was black summer. And then her fourth summer was defined by COVID. We weren't permitted to travel that far. And then our last summer was the summer of endless extreme rain, floods up and down the coast. So she understood that sometimes... The beach is not a place that's safe. It's not a place of freedom or play. It's a place that can be tainted. We couldn't go swimming. How do you feel when we can't go to the beach, when it's bad weather or... And I felt very aware of the loss to this generation. I mean, a lot of adults now are talking about another return of summer. But for these kids, that is summer. Summer is an aberration. Yes. Have you got towels? 
Yes. Our first trip to the beach this summer was in the middle of December, the first weekend of school holidays. The girls had been really, really looking forward to going to the beach. It is really a marker of the summer beginning and the holidays beginning. We made our way to a little bay. Coming! And we collected seashells and sea glass. Oh, look at that smooth one. Yeah, that one. And we made mermaids out of children. You can't move at all. I know actually how to make a real mermaid, which actually looks like a real mermaid. Oh. It was lovely. It was one of the good beach days. So every year afresh, we look at summer with this sense of the joy that could be coming. Having been quite despairing at the kinds of experiences my kids have had at summer, I'm still looking at this summer and plotting the beaches along Sydney that I want to take them to. And so while I have a kind of vein of dread that runs through that hope, it's still mostly hope. And I'm looking forward to freezing in the surf and having kids complain about sand stuck to their feet. Now cover it, cover my toes. <laughs> that was Selena Ribeiro. All of these stories actually came from contributors and journalists at Guardian Australia. From the top, you also heard from Tom Slater, Alex Gorman, Zoya Patel, and Mustafa Rashwani. Thanks to all of them for their time. A special shout-out to Alex Gorman, Guardian Australia's lifestyle editor, who created the series A Day at the Beach. You can find links to that series on the Full Story page, where you can also read Tom, Zoya and Selena's pieces. This episode was produced by Miles Herbert and Alison Chan. Sound design and mixing by Daniel Simo. The supervising producer for Full Story Summer is Ellen Lee Beater. And the executive producer of this episode was me, Laura Murphy-Oates. OK, thanks for listening. We'll have another episode of our summer series for you tomorrow.